Hi, I'd like to welcome everybody to the CCW Safe podcast. I'm Rob High out in Oklahoma City uh, with my co-host Phil Naiman in California, and uh, we'd like to welcome everybody back. And how's your week been, Phil? It's been busy. I actually, I mean, very busy. It's funny you say that. I got back from Wyoming on a, uh, an elk hunt. We did a great had a great hunt up there. My buddy got his nice bull. I got a cow. Came right back from that. Left for San Diego for my daughter's wedding. Yeah, came back from that Monday evening, and now we're we're here this week. So yeah, catching up at work and uh, everything else that's going on. It's it's a very busy week for me. How about you? Man, congratulations on surviving a a daughter's wedding. I I have one of those, so I understand. Right. <laughs> I got very fortunate. I've got a got a great son-in-law out of the deal so now i'm hoping that uh, that's the case you know i always i always say i i reserve the right to change my mind at any time <laughs> i get that i get that um yeah they they are always our babies so um what's uh what's been going on other than that you seen anything in the in the 2a world that Oh, well, you know, California's on fire. So we're yeah. going to be fighting everything out here tooth and nail because uh, Gavin Newsom is just going to sign everything that they bring up. And the progressives have a super majority, not just a majority, a super majority in the House out here in California. So they're going to continue to go crazy. Hopefully, we'll be able to get some things overturned at the Supreme Court. I know that uh, we had some cases. I think New York had a case that ended up being pretty good out of the Supreme Court, if you want to comment on that. But we're just going to, we're fighting. Uh, in California, you know, we are fighting for our Second Amendment rights. And those of you in other states need to realize that you need to be involved. You know, we have in California, the California Rifle and Pistol Association, they're doing great work. I'm sure you have associations like that in different states across the country that are local and can work with your governments. And so it's important because the Second Amendment is under attack on all fronts. All fronts, meaning everything from the education system, what they're teaching in school that, you know, the Second Amendment is a deer hunting thing and who likes to hunt deer? Nobody, because everybody loves Bambi. Um, you know, from that aspect, through the culture war, through what's happening um, with our federal government. So we're under attack in all things. And the best thing to do is to be proactive and to make sure that you are defending your rights and every opportunity that you have. I, I agree with you, Phil. Um, then you're correct. That that that, uh, that silent majority thing. We we don't have we don't have the luxury of being silent anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, you know we've we've uh, we've had uh, states in the country where uh, CCW Safe is not allowed to operate anymore, um, and so many of those people I, I understand their frustration i understand their fears um and they're calling us and they're venting and you know why aren't we doing more and we fought a long hard battle up there legally and and didn't come out on the on the upper end of that um was this new york that, that was washington state why oh, washington state okay yes sir and uh it's one of those that uh, the, it, it takes a grassroots effort. I mean, you've, you've got you've to be vocal and plugged in and taking part where you live. Um, 
these these are things that are that are like you said are are under attack um they they make people fearful um and and they should you know the constitution itself is is kind of under a daily attack now um you've got people with very socialist um leanings and that's the direction they want to go and uh, I, I I'd encourage them to I just encourage them to do it in a socialist country and get out of this one but yeah there's plenty of destroyed countries around that can just swoop right into I mean Venezuela is still taking applications right you can head down to Venezuela you can go to Cuba you can do whatever you want now um, just just leave take you and your ideology with you but the thing with the Second Amendment, the thing with all of our rights, I mean, Benjamin Franklin said this, he was asked uh, after they'd formed the new company, uh, country and documents, what kind of a government is this? He was asked by a lady, he says, it's a republic, dear lady, if you can keep it. And that involves us staying involved in all things. Now, um, the Second Amendment crowd, I've been involved in this with my radio show in California for nine years and, and individually beyond that. So we form circular firing squads. You mentioned that people are saying, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? We do that all the time. The Second Amendment community, their number one um, thing that they do, they, they form a circular firing squad and they, they attack whoever's trying to help. And really what we need to do is come along each other. And in the hunting community and the shooting community and the CCW community, we need to realize that these are our rights. We need to defend them on all fronts and that Maybe you don't want to own an AR-15, or maybe you don't want to run a you know, box-fed magazine shotgun, but you have the right to do so. And if you sit aside while somebody writes a law excluding those, it's only going to be a matter of time before all of a sudden your semi-automatic pistol is outlawed, or now you're down to only three rounds in a magazine. I think, I think New York has a seven-round magazine capacity limit, right? It was... Standard capacity to 10, now to seven. Well, what direction is that going? So we need to fight these in all fronts and, and to find a good organization that you trust, that you can involve with, I think is a great way to do that, but not to be asleep at the switch. We, how many gun owners are there in America, right? How many hundreds of millions of people actually own firearms and they need to defend their rights to own firearms um, through their activities. And I'm talking about peacefully, voting and supporting the right people that are going to support your rights. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you, you were talking about the different, different facets and different, uh, different little, little pockets of support, whether it be the hunters or uh, merely self-defense or collectors or uh, competitors or whatever, but that, you know, that kind of, kind of feeds into the direction we were going with today's podcast, um, related to training. Um, and it, it's so funny to me. I, I've been a firearms instructor for you know, a quarter century. Um, I have trained hundreds and hundreds of kids. Um, and I say kids, uh, I was a 21 year old. Yeah, I understand. I was was a firearms instructor for, you know, the largest police agency in in Oklahoma. So uh, I I was very fortunate. I got to train a whole lot of kids. Um, 
and from guys that are, you know, coming out of the Marine Corps and the Marine Corps still, in my opinion, is the best group of people teaching, teaching guys how to, how to press a trigger properly. Those guys know how to shoot um, down to kids that had never, ever even handled a firearm. They'd never been around one. And you can tell the first time they touch it, they're, they're fearful of the, the object itself. Um, so to bring somebody up to, to be not just functional with it, but to be proficient with it and utilize it as a tool, as part of their job. Um, but it, it's so funny to me because I'm just now into the concealed carry world um, as just a, a retired citizen. Um, it's so funny to me to watch the different kind of little pokes at each other. Uh, and I get there's, there's guys out there that are these grandiose self promoters and, you know, my way is the only way. And I've, I figured out the, the proper way to do these things and everybody else is, is wrong. Um, I can tell you there's some of the best instruction I've seen in all my days with a firearm has been in the last year in the civilian realm. Um, but it's not just uh, an NRA thing or, you know, there's so many different places that you can start, so many different things you can do. So kind of what I want to go into is, is the kind of the differences and the kind of things that you can pick up, whether it be a, a competitive shooter or law enforcement or military uh, or just a guy that, that, you know, went and got his concealed carry permit and he, and he developed a love for the sport of shooting um, and took his role as a concealed carrier very seriously and developed a good skill set and started branching out and instructing others. Um, it, it's just one of those things. I, I want folks to know that it doesn't matter who we're talking about. Uh, there, there's things that we can pick up from every one of these little facets, or even if you go into hunting and, and, and there's, and there's some of them, some of them that you can pick up things that you want to make sure you never do. So there's, <laughs> you know, it, it's funny that you say that I, I, I looked at things like that, uh, in all the different instructor courses I've gone through for years. Um, not, I, I was a defensive tactics instructor for the for the police department. Um, and I went to training all over the United States. And there was times that that's what I would come back with is, yeah, I learned that we're never going to do that. Um, we, I, I said, <laughs> so you, see him, you see him on uh, the, this one clip was going around. I think it was actually maybe Israeli or Eastern European, but these guys were doing, um, disarming with with real firearms right yes. they were practicing they're pointing at each other and it's like well you know you might as well just be on the set of rust and see how that works out um you know and maybe we should talk about that because here's here's a situation folks if you haven't if you've been living under a rock and haven't realized that alec baldwin was involved in a, a fatality a fatal shooting a homicide of an individual and the injuring of another person well, supposedly on a movie set, supposedly with a gun that can't do this, 
um, well, it did this. And, and that speaks 100%, and I'm sorry, but 100% responsibility is on Alec Baldwin on that. Um, the gun could not have done what it did unless he was aiming it at somebody, which he shouldn't have been doing, and unless he pulled the trigger. You know, all of us have firearms in a safe place in the house or in a safe or wherever it happens to be that are fully loaded sitting there. Very seldom do they get up, walk around and shoot somebody in the kneecap, right? So it takes a human interaction with the firearm. And when we have firearms, we have firearm rules for safety. And, you know, what is there? Depending on who you are, there's between four and seven. You know, some guys break them down into smaller pieces just so you remember more and the class takes longer. So that justifies their value of the charge. But one of them in everybody's list of firearm laws is that you never point a firearm at something you don't want to kill, hit, maim, destroy, or pay for. You just never yeah. do that. So yeah. that had he simply followed that rule and the gun went off, there might be a hole in the ceiling, a hole in the floor, but that's not what happened. Second thing is you never put your finger on the trigger till you've decided to shoot. Um, if he's aiming this firearm at, at a, another person, which he had to have been, or I don't know if it was unconscious, it went like this, I don't know, but his finger was on the trigger for the gun to go off. It wasn't a malfunction of the firearm. You know, those are just two of the basic rules that were violated. And, and sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes if you break one rule and you don't break another, it's an accident, it's negligent discharge, but nobody gets hurt. It's when you break two rules or more, you have some serious issues. And so, you know, if he had the finger on the trigger before he decided to shoot, but he didn't shoot, that's one thing. If it was aimed in a safe direction and he fired, he's got a negligent discharge, but he didn't hurt anybody. It's when multiple rules get crossed that unfortunately people get severely injured or lose their life. And as a firearm owner and you, as an NRA instructor and as a a combat instructor as you are, we preach this, that you cannot get the bullet back. It has no mind of its own. Once it is sent on its mission, it does whatever you sent it to do. You are responsible for that projectile from the time it leaves the barrel till it stops its motion. Whatever it does, you did it. It's your representative on earth. So it's doing whatever you've told it to do and only you. And unfortunately for Mr. Baldwin, um, I, you know, he's, it's a homicide. Somebody's lost, you know, forget, forget, unfortunately for Mr. Baldwin, because he's not exactly my favorite person. Unfortunately for the person he killed, that's where we're at. You know, I, I don't remember her name. She's a cinematographer. And I don't mean to be belittle her, but I just don't remember her name. But, you know, he, he pulled the trigger. He was in control of the firearm when he might say it was an accident, I unconsciously did this. Hey, I am sure that when you go to a, a studio set with firearms, that they are very, very, I, I know, like there's Terran Tactical and those guys that do all these training for these people, they drill those those signs in into this is just safety. Yes, it's a blank. People have been killed with blanks. Another actor in the 80s, some young guy, you know, had a 44 Magnum with blanks and goes, isn't this funny? Well, he died. You know, the discharge is, is a serious thing. So 
safety first. And, you know, unfortunately it appears, I don't want to see a lawyer on my doorstep. It appears that Mr. Baldwin has broken one or two very serious safety rules. And that's why we're in this situation in the news. I, I agree. Um, it's then again, you're correct. It's an absolute tragedy. Um, and, and there were failures at every level. I mean, there, there never should have been a live round available. Um, yeah, I don't know. Why would you have live rounds in a simulation? You could, you could never explain that to me to my satisfaction. I mean, you if know, you wanted to show, show like bullets on the, on the table or something like that, or they wanted to look in the, in their belts or whatever, I don't know the show, but uh, for Western look, I mean, you simply could have an inert round, like a primer with no powder. I mean, you can make those. Um, I can't think of a reason for a wax bullet to be on stage. You know, we use those for quick draw, but they're not going to be shooting at each other for that. So it would either be a blank or a complete inert dummy round. I can't think of a uh, any other reason to have any other thing um, on the set. So whoever brought live ammunition in, again, that's another another safety failure. Well, they they pay people to to check these things. I mean, there's there's somebody supposed to be there that's qualified, that's that's done all the pre-checks and everything else. Um, you know, like you were you were saying, it, you you never point it at something that you don't you're not okay with destroying. And if I'm not okay with destroying it, it, it never gets pressed in that direction. You know, I was at a I was at a uh, a medical training course for basically for range response for uh, accidents that could happen on on a firing range. Um, but they're do also, they call that plug and play? <laughs> they, no, they didn't. Uh, but they they can. You know, it, it's it's something that as a concealed carrier is the likelihood that I'm going to have to shoot greater than the likelihood that I'm gonna come across something that I might be able to render some aid to somebody. The fact that I would be present and ready to go during an active shooter kind of incident is incredibly rare. Um, the fact that I could be driving home from the office at the end of the day today and come across a significant motor vehicle accident that somebody needs a tourniquet applied to or something like that. Yeah, that's an absolute possibility. Um, but it was funny because, you know, these are gun related courses um, and all the stuff that we did, firearms related, we did with training weapons, with, with plastic blue guns, blue that's, guns. that's yeah. what we used. And even at that, the level of professionalism in that room as we're, as we're going through and, and doing our scenarios and actually working through problems, blue guns were never pointed at a person. Yeah, I know it's plastic, I know it's fake, but our, our rules of firearm safety are still in place and we utilize them all and the it, time. And Every as you're moving, you know, you're, you're deflecting it down, you're going behind, you're not lasering the guy. Nobody in the class wants to be the guy called the rainbird sprinkler. Yeah, absolutely, yes. No, we don't want to be that guy. So, you know, everything you do, it's training, right? And when you are involved in a situation, you fall back to your lowest level of training. 
or your highest level of training, a level of training. And one of those is why would I be playing around with a gun willy nilly when I need to actually be controlling that muzzle, making sure if we're stacked, if we're in a line or whatever it happens to be, my gun is not in the spinal column of the person in front of me. And the guy behind me is not doing that to me, right? So you're going to have to be absolutely reticent aware, especially when you're running simulations. You know, um, I, I, at a uh, at the church I go to, we did a simulation uh, for active shooter, and I ended up being uh, on the the entry team just because of the location that that they spontaneously did this. Was the guys are coming in, right? I was a, I, I had a corner to hold, but a guy comes in front of me, so you know, the natural move is you, you break your line. If you have somebody crossing in front of you, you don't stay in front because anyway, um, but that comes with training. It's not a natural thing. And especially under duress, uh, um, under a time scenario or a, a live round scenario, you know, you have to have that built into your response. Anything less than that, you're going to end up with an issue. So at your training, just like you said, you're dealing with blue guns, but still nobody's lasering anybody, right? Um, and I'm sure if you did a video scan of the people, they had the finger off the trigger while they were doing what they were doing when they wanted to manipulate to shoot. Once they've decided to shoot, the finger's on the trigger, but not until then. And, and those are just good habits. Well, they're not good habits. Those are, those are the level of competence you need to be. It's not a good yes. habit. It's the level of competence you need to decide that you are going to perform on a daily basis. No, nothing less. Yeah, I agree. Um, how are we doing on time? We ready for a break? Hey, it's coffee time. It's always coffee time here. <laughs> uh, well, we'll have you back here in just a couple of minutes. On. Welcome back to the CCWSA podcast. I'm Rob Hyde here with Phil Naiman again. Uh, again, we were talking about training, training issues today. Um, and some of the things we've, we've been through ourselves, some of the things we've, we've seen. Um, and my, my personal feelings is, is I don't care who you're getting your training from. Um, learn from everybody. Um, and the fact that you know, Phil comes to me and I, and I give him some drills and uh, they're not really comfortable today. Well, you were never really comfortable the first time you were online learning anything firearms related. Um, so, you know, I don't ever want people to just walk away and go, yeah, I hated that. It, it didn't work for me. You know, you got to give it a little opportunity to work. Um, and but you have to start somewhere. But so, you have to start somewhere. Um, you know, for the, the that... NRA has a has a basic pistol course, right? And I became an instructor for that. But I, uh, I took it down in, in time because honestly, eight hours for that one day killed me. So I went down to about a four hour course, but it's not a certified course. But it was about an hour of classroom instruction. And this was basically set up for people who have never fired a firearm before. And, you know, a lot of well, my, my personal clients and so forth, um, you know, a lot of elderly ladies, and I, don't, I shouldn't say elderly, but over 60. And a very unique thing I found in teaching those groups is hand strength. Yes. 
they don't, they can't rack a slide. They can't, you know, a four and a half pound gun, like, oh, that's so heavy. I'm like, really? But that's where they're at. So you have to understand these things. And, and in the classroom, it was going over what to expect when a firearm happens. So here's our grip. Here's how we stand. Here's what goes on. Here's how you lean into the gun so the recoil doesn't push you backwards and all these things. And when we got on to the, to the course of fire, which I started them with a Ruger Mark I bull barrel in 22 on a three-yard target, you know, when they get all ready and they, the gun goes off, they go, that's it? You know, so the, everything is brought down. So that particular course was meant for somebody who has never fired a firearm before, has a great deal of apprehension about shooting a firearm and just get them to the level of competency where they can manipulate their handgun and put it on the bullseye, you know, box to bullseye is a thing. You, you buy it, it's in a box, let's get you shooting on the bullseye. But that's not a self-defense course. That is a course just to get them to the level where they're competent so now they can go to, to Rob High out there in Oklahoma and learn, okay, here's more of an active shooting scenario. Not not active shooter, but an active shooting on the on the course. We're shooting two, two targets here, three over here, holstering, unholstering, magazine manipulation. You know, so there's different levels of training. And you know, if you've shot a lot, it might help you. If you shot a lot and you're a guy and you're consistently changing your sights because you're always shooting low to the left, um, it's a really good chance you should probably just get a little bit of instruction and it can help you a lot. So even if you have shot a lot but haven't had proper instruction, it's always good to get your bad habits ironed out. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, you know, growing up, I, I, I grew up in Oklahoma. I mean, we had the, the ability to, to hunt my whole life and fish and be involved in the outdoors. Um, my granddad and my uncles and my dad were all very active sportsmen. Um, so I started shooting a shotgun when I was seven. Um, you know, my, my papa taught me how to shoot then, taught me all kinds of things about, you know, proper carry and, and how to care for the firearm and, and, uh, safety rules and, and then teaching me about, you know, being in the field or being in the woods and, and things like that. Uh, but I'd never had any experience with a, with a handgun. Um, and so when I went through the police Academy, it was a brand new, it, you know, yeah, there's a, there's a trigger and there's sights and, and I understand what's supposed to be done, but I'm pretty salty with a shotgun. I, I couldn't figure out how to make this little bitty thing in my hands work to the same degree of, of uh, proficiency. Uh, well, and maybe you just should have got out of the car at every call carrying the shotgun. <laughs> well, if, if I knew it, it required a gun, I, I absolutely carried a shotgun because a, a pistol is what you fight your way back to a real gun with. Yeah, I've heard that so many times is that a pistol is to fight your way to your rifle. Yes. Uh, but it was, you know, I, I've, I've seen amazing instructors, instructors in uh, the law enforcement circles. I've seen some that were absolutely horrible. Um, I wasn't blessed with a really good instructor going through. I barely qualified as, as a rookie police officer. I, I mean, I just, I, I was Mr. Minimum Standard. Um, and 
And that was doing the very best I could. But I was very, very fortunate. Um, there was a guy that lived next door to my dad that was on the department, um, but he was a Marine Corps instructor. He shot on the Marine Corps pistol team, um, retired from there, came to work for the city, um, shot on air pistol team. And I just remember I was so uncomfortable with how not proficient I was. I, I was just, I was not comfortable with, with my skill level. And I saw him in his backyard one day and I hopped the fence and I just went over and visited. And I said, hey, I, I know you go to the range all the time and I'd really appreciate it. I don't want to interfere with what you're doing or anything, but if you could just give me a couple of pointers. Now, now when you started, were you running on a revolver? No, I, I was, uh, we, we were issued uh, Glock 17, nine millimeter. Oh, wow. um, so I'm old enough to be in the revolver class. Well, I'm old enough to have been. Uh, I just wasn't a police officer at that time. Um, it was one of those that I, I just remember because I had no earthy idea what kind of work it took this man to get to the level that he was at. Um, now he's a high master class competition shooter. He is really special. Um, all I knew is he was really good. And he asked me, well, how, how good do you want to be? And I, you know, very naively, I said, I, I want to shoot like you shoot. And he just started laughing. And he said, well, my part's the easy part. Your part's the hard part. And I was like, well, whatever you want, whatever you can tell me. And he goes, well, I shoot Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 0800. And I said, on your days off. And he goes, no, I shoot every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 0800. And so I just started going out with him. And he told me things every single time I go out. And it was so elementary that it started with, you know, like you're talking about your stance. And I'd have to take a piece of chalk and outline my feet. So I stood exactly the same every time. Um, and then he built it into my grip and into you know, my presentation and, and coming out of the holster and, and to the point where he had me where I could stand there in my spot, close my eyes, target seven or 15 yards ahead of me. And he'd say, close your eyes, draw. And he worked on those little pieces so, so hard with me that my eyes are closed. I come out, I get on target. And he'd say, open your eyes, where's your sights? And we just drilled that so frequently that I was, I was on target. Mm -hmm. um, and then learning how to operate a trigger and, and, and properly reset and, you know, your follow through and getting ready, prepared for the next shot. Um, but I worked months and months and months and months like that. And I went from barely shooting a passing score to almost shooting a perfect score. Uh, and he just started laughing and said, now we'll get rid of these, these beginner targets and you'll start shooting on, on a real target. And, and he just kept dialing me in and dialing me in until I eventually made the pistol team. So uh, 
it, but there's, there is a lot of work that goes into it. It's not just standing online and, and wasting ammunition and, and shooting it in a safe direction. Um, there, there was a lot of, there, there was a lot of meaning to everything that he did as far as my training. Um, and so I stole a lot, a lot of those things from him. Um, his name's Jim Wheatley, great guy, um, amazing, amazing shooter, um, sniper on the TAC team. He's just, he, he is, he, he's amazing with a firearm. Um, and I was just really blessed to get to sit under him and, and learn some of that stuff. But I've seen these guys out here for the last year in the civilian realm that are absolutely as good. Um, and so you get guys going back and forth. Well, you know, cops do this or cops do that. And I can tell you right now, a lot of cops are not good shots, but some of the best shots you, I've ever seen. You didn't have to tell me that. <laughs> some of the best ones I've ever seen are, are cops. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's true. And it's and it's, it's like everybody else. There's a broad spectrum. The guys who who like like it are going to gravitate towards that. The guys who really just want a pension and never want to shoot, they're on the other side of the thing. Um, the the other thing is, uh, you know, today practicing is an expensive uh, deal. Not only do you, if you're going to hire somebody for a course, you know, there's there's the the travel, the classes for that, but also the amount of ammunition that you need to go through to be proficient. So I'm going to say I'm going to admit to something here. Uh, two things. Number one, I bought what's called a dry fire magazine. It's called dryfiremag.com, I think is their website. It fits Glocks, uh, 17s and 21s. I don't know if they have anything else, but that's what I have mine for. It's a magazine you can insert into your regular pistol, unloaded, of course, um, lot, lot, or cock the slide, and it allows you to continually dry fire that as if the gun was going off. So it's great for using your exact gun on a safe range, obviously, as we talked about earlier, do things correctly but you can dry fire all the time with that pistol and you don't have to keep resetting click, resetting click. It's just bang, bang, as if the gun was going off. It has, has the same reset and the same trigger pull. So that's, that's an important thing that I use. The, the second one, I feel kind of silly saying this, but uh, I, I bought a Glock 19 and 17 um, airsoft pistol. It's the same, it's a blowback system. It runs off of gas. And I set up an IPSC, not an IPSC, but a small steel target in my garage. And I practice concealed draws. You know, I think it'd be much happier if I shot my foot with an airsoft pistol than <laughs> with a live round. And if I shot myself with the airsoft pistol, I'd never admit it. No one would know. A live round? Well, there's some evidence. So, you know, you're practicing um, drawing from concealed. Where are you going to do that? When are you going to do that? How safely can you do that? So I think that that's a good way to go. And then they even have, um, you can get a, you can buy one for 120 bucks, or you can just get an app on your phone for a shot timer and just stand at the ready, your hands down or whatever. And the shot timer goes off, draw fire and check your time. And you can see that, you know, drawing from concealment is a lot slower than drawing from the side on the hip, like in an, an Ipsic match or something like that. So I, I think for me, that's, well, it's been fun too. Cause especially when you start running the timer, um, 
you know, you get competitive with yourself and it's a lot of fun. And then of course you take this target and you angle it. So when the pellets hit it, it bounces down the driveway and you never have to see them again. So you don't even have to clean up the floor. Well, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the shot timer. Um, you know, there's, there's so many things we did in police training that we manufacture stress. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you can watch recruits on day one of the Academy and it's, you know, it's kind of like day one. At, at, at well, you did, you did the one OT, right? One or T. So if they didn't draw and fire under one second, they got tased. Wasn't that your, uh, the way you had that? <laughs> that? That was what I, that's what I encouraged command to bring in, but they, they didn't see the, they didn't see the use of it. Uh, Oh, but, 101. Sorry. <laughs> but, uh, you know, these, these guys are, are coming from just, you know, a lot of them are coming straight from college. Um, you know, they've Ooh, never, God help really, us. they've never really done anything in their life. You know, most of them. Um, and now I'm going to put them into the the fire and just go you know here you have it go go solve somebody else's problems um and it's just one of those things that uh they uh they just they you know they they go into panic mode if if you didn't condition them to that so you just steadily go and go and go and go well i can take you to the firing range and I can, I can tell you from experience, having a round come your way, there's nothing cool about that. Your perspective on everything in the world changes from that day forward. Um, I, I, I've been shot at a couple of times. Um, we can't do that training you on a, on a firing line. Well, we can do it out here in Southern California. You have a place called Hodge Road off the 15 freeway halfway to oh, Vegas. Okay. That's terrible. It's, it is, it is uncontrolled and so if you just stand out there you just hear ricochets going over your head so you can get used to all of that right just right here in southern california just go out there and rounds flying by and say oh yeah okay we're good with that now well uh, you know if if we do other things that make you function and make you work through problems so you get tired make you do 50 burpees and then draw on fire and that changes your life. I promise. Uh, That's like chasing somebody through three backyards and over two fences. For sure. Um, but to, to be, you know, at a 15 yard line and, uh, you know, it's close enough, but it's far enough. It's, it's way farther than, than most gunfights occur. Um, and, and all of a sudden I'm going to say, okay, Phil, I need you to, I need you to fire 12 rounds here. Um, I'm going to give you 12 seconds, but I'm going to have you make two mandatory magazine changes. So I need three magazines of four ready, go. (laughs) Um, and you're having to work through these issues. Uh, and, and everybody's like, well, that's not really stress. Yeah, it is. If, if you're trying to make time and you're having to shoot a qualifying score and you've got to get things off. Absolutely. Um, and then of course, what you didn't tell them was that in your second magazine, halfway through the stack, you put a dummy round. <laughs> He's got to clear the malfunction and keep going. Yeah, that could happen. Um, but but those are the kinds of things that it, it's a manufactured stress. But 
um, I, I can tell you from, from years on the streets, the most important timed event you'll ever be in is a gunfight. Right. I, I watched the the give and take going on in in the world now as far as instructors going about, you know, one second draw from concealment and one round on paper. Um, that's fast. I'm going to tell you right now, that's fast. And some guys talk about, you know, that it, it serves no purpose or this, that and the other. Well, it it's another one of those stresses that you, if that's what you've prepared yourself to. Um, I, I don't know that I would trust most people to, to draw and make the determination to put around downline in less than a second. Well, I think, because I, think I, have to, I have to, I have to know that that's, that threat is still there. It's still something that needs to be addressed. I think if, in that type of a situation, they've made the decision to shoot before they've drawn the firearm. You so have how? to, right? If it's yeah. like, holy crud, there's a sawed-off shotgun coming this way, you know that that's that's that instantaneous. You've the decision to made was fired before you moved for your firearm. Yeah, and it is. Um, but yeah, if you don't think that's that's an important timed event. Oh, I think it's great. And, and honestly, you know, I have a little stupid little shot timer on a phone. And, you know, he can hang out there in a garage and just, I think it's 19 bucks for 5,000 pellets. You know, I mean, how, how are you going to practice 5,000 draw and fires for under $25, right? Yeah. You're not. And, and uh, the little CO, the, the, the Glock CO2 gun, maybe I'll bring it on the next, the next podcast we do. It's designed by, or it's licensed by Glock. So it's got the same frame the same everything same weight when the when the cart the magazine is in it it's the same weight as a loaded gun the little gas action has a little blowback i mean there's not as much noise but um as far as an action and trigger it's as close to simulation as you're going to get and this is about the cheapest way to go especially when you just can't find ammo i mean we're talking about doing a pistol course um or a competition in november here the next couple of weeks and and everybody's like, eh, do I want to shoot 300 rounds? Yeah. You know, so it comes down to, can I replace those 300 rounds? You know, how many primers do I have left? So everybody is trying to see what this new world order that we're dealing with uh, is going to lay out. And you don't want to blow through all of your ammunition, but you do need to maintain your practicing because shooting is a perishable skill. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it, and it, again, it's why... It, if you're going to carry it, I think you need to test yourself. I don't think you just need to practice. I mean, we can all just stand static online and slow fire and just after you've learned, away. after you've learned pistol control, that's useless training to me. That's you're showing off for somebody to, Hey, look how tight a group I can do, but that's not helping you advance to the next level, especially for defensive shooting. Well, no. And, and, and I'm and I'm not I'm not doing this for competition. Right. Um, now I, I guess you can I put your left hand in your pocket and hold your right hand out here for <laughs> make the hundred yard shot. You know, I guess you could do that. I, I know those guys though. Um, no, but now no. you know. Let me let me jump on that because I'm not trying to bash the sport. It's different. Bullseye competition is a different than 
And this actually messed me up a lot when I first started training defensively because I'm a long range shooter. I'm a precision shooter. I like small little tiny groups. To me, it was more important to put a hole like this all day long in the center of the chest than to shoot quickly anywhere. And that's the difference. I had to really get my mind around that. Like, it's okay to hit over here. You know, here's, here's the zone for the, for the, the nine or the 10 ring. That's where I want to be. And, and, and an eight's okay. A seven, what are you talking about? That's a seven, right? But a quick seven and a quick eight is better than a slow 10 any day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, it's, it's a, it's a timed event where a, a quick seven, seven, eight, eight is better than one slow 10. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. One slow 10 may get you killed. <clears throat> that was a hard concept for me because of my, like you said, you came from hunting and, yes. and so forth. And all of a sudden it's like, what do you mean? Just shoot. What do you mean in the, is good enough? It's a hard thing to, to change your style. Well, and, and even, even for me, um, you know, you, you're going to have a, a wobble anytime you're shooting, but uh, the one that I experienced with a handgun was so exaggerated and it was just, you know, I'd, I'd had that problem where I wanted to capture that perfect sight picture. And, you know, once, once I was back there, I'd snap real quick and let's just, and you know, everything else is wrong with, with what I'm doing at the same time. My grip is, is weak. I, I it just, you know, I just didn't understand it. It wasn't. It, it works itself out if you go kind of go like this: high elbow, and then snap the gun at the target, and then back up. I think like a like a big bull whip. I think that actually works pretty good. And that extra momentum makes the bullet go faster. Oh, okay. is that true? Uh, you know, I'm I'm up for anything. So next time, <laughs> next time you head out this way, I'd like you to show me that. <clears throat> okay, we're going to head out to another break real quick. Uh, Come back and join us. We'll we'll go over a, a couple of the different training issues we'd like like you to focus on, think about, uh, kind of test yourself and uh, improve your skills. So we'll be right back. Welcome back to the CCW Safe Podcast. I'm Rob High here with Phil Naiman, and we are covering training issues today. Um, Phil, you'd mentioned earlier some of the, the very basic stuff with like NRA, um, learning gun safety and basic shooting fundamentals. Um, but as we were talking about in the last segment, you also have, you know, it, it doesn't prepare me truly for self-defense to stand at the seven yard line or 15 or 25 or however far you want to shoot and just stand there static take aim. And, and as I'm working those basic shooting fundamentals, I, I'm not concerned with my own personal safety. I'm just making except, a small except if you're in an indoor range and the guy next to you has a ported 44 Magnum, that'll add a little bit of stress to your life. But other than that, you're okay. <laughs> I'm not shooting next to that guy. Uh, but, you know, there, we, we were talking about, um, you know, whether it's, competitive shooting or military training or law enforcement training or the guys out there in the civilian realm, um, all of the stuff that's out there. And if you understood how much these things are interwoven and intersect, um, I've seen law enforcement guys get training from competition guys. 
Um, I've seen them get training from every single aspect, military guys, you know, whoever. Um, and the, the guys that are competition shooters, they're, they're amazing at what they do. To watch these guys shoot this USPSA, the, the IPSC stuff, the guys that are, that are shooting quick and accurately and moving. And uh, it, you can learn a lot of stuff as, as far as uh, being efficient in your, in your movements and, and some of those things. And, you know, there's, there's law enforcement and military groups that are bringing some of the best competition shooters in the right. world in to, to help fine tune their training. You know, one, one advantage that somebody in an IPSC course or, or a competition course, you know, has when they're shooting and they're shooting quickly and it looks great and it's like, wow, it's fantastic. Well, if you go to the matches, they walk through the stage first, okay? I don't think there's a police officer out there that gets to walk through a scenario, go back to his car and then run it in real life. So they walk through the scenario first. They know, okay, if I come around this corner, I need to, uh, there's an organization. I have to shoot from the outside in. I have to hit these targets, these targets, these targets, okay? The white one is a, is a non-combatant. I can't shoot that. I can't shoot the black one. You know, I only shoot the brown ones over here. And so they go through all that. So when they're doing it, it's, it's a shooting function where the police officers and the CCW carriers differ in all of this is that you have to make the decision to shoot on each round on each target in real time. So as you're coming around the corner in a, let's say an IDPA, International Defensive Pistol Association uh, program where you draw from concealment, it's, it's like a CCW competition. In their course, they mandate that you shoot the outside target to the inside target. Well, if the out, you know, like in the uh, the movie Outlaw Josie Wales, he says, well, the guy over there had a flap holster. I wasn't worried about him, but this guy had crazy eyes, right? So in real time, he's making those decisions as opposed to a rule book. And so guys are looking at their times like, oh, this is, and they're great shooters, not taking that away from them. But their decision to made was before they got on the line and loaded their gun is, okay, I know I'm going to shoot this, 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 skip that, load here, skip this, load there, you know, and, and whatever the program of fire is, they had it in their head and then they executed it. They executed it because their skill level is amazing. Where we run into real life, where, where real life differs from that scenario is every shot, every scenario has to be decoded in your brain, threat, non-threat. What's the proper response, right? Uh, run, hide, shoot, fight, whatever it is, um, you know, hands-on, pistol-on, whatever the tool of the day happens to be, those decisions have to be made in real time. And those decisions that you have to make in real time are going to be analyzed by everybody afterwards. And so that's the skill set that you really need to is to look at the situation. And I'm sure that that's one of the major training things you had going on, Rob. You know, there, once, once you've got those basic shooting fundamentals, um, I, I do, I kind of like the competition stuff for kind of helping you evolve up to that next level a little bit. You don't have to be a master class shooter or anything. Go, go in just as, never having competed before they they've got novice areas um but you can see then what i need to work on mm -hmm. um so we've gone from marksmanship stuff to to now we're going uh kind of a 
kind of a hot range live fire kind of thing. Um, and then evolving to, you know, I'm not just walking out here and laying my gun on the table in front of me at the range and okay, I pick it up and I load it and I, and I shoot a course of fire. Um, now I'm gonna use this for my own personal protection, for my family's protection. Um, I've made the choice to become licensed and, and I'm going to carry and carry responsibly. And so now I gotta learn some of this concealment stuff um, and as you were saying earlier, drawing from concealment is way different than even having a, a holster on your hip as a law enforcement officer. Um, you know, we move beyond that and you get into different specialty courses, whether, you know, the big, big deal now is, is, uh, whether you're, you know, guys that are going out there specifically teaching appendix carry stuff. I like appendix. It's something that's comfortable for me. It's something I've, I've kind of grabbed onto. Um, something I haven't no, had. No pun intended. <laughs> something I haven't had any, any formal training with it, but I look forward to greatly um, is. I like appendix carry also. Um, sometimes, you know, if you've got it on your back hip, you've been, you, you're going to be profiling it and you just don't know if somebody saw that movement. Um, and they recognize you have, and they're, they're behind you. I mean, you know, I prefer, especially because most CCW holsters don't have a, a level three retention. Yeah. So I, I like appendix carry because no one's going to put their hand up there. Yeah. Um, nope. Some of, some of the other stuff you're moving into is uh, red dots. Um, but I don't, I don't care that, you know, it's, it's perfectly sighted and I can do this. And if everything else about my fundamental stuff is not in place, if I haven't built those basic shooting fundamentals, um, it doesn't matter that I can put a dot in the middle of something when all of a sudden I, you know, I, I do something just heinous with firearm in my hand and, and it doesn't matter. You were talking earlier about the guy that very routinely is you know, everything's low at seven o'clock, low at seven o'clock, low at seven o'clock. You might want to get a little bit of training. That's probably a pretty simple fix. <laughs> well, we know something you know, not know. Yes. Yeah, you're, you're shooting something that's such a simple fix right there, easy solution, and it's just a minor correction. And all of a sudden that tight little group that's missing is, is all of a sudden just chewing a hole in the middle of it. Um, you know, the other thing, I, like you're talking about with the optics, mm -hmm. um, I think that if you pick up a pistol, especially from a draw stroke, so from the holster, if it has an optic on it and you throw it out there in front of you and all of a sudden you're like, well, where's the red dot? What is it, you know, what it's showing you is that when you grab the gun, your grip is wrong because if your grip is straight and you come up on front, everything's aligned. But that optic, if you're not lined up, if your hand's not right, you're like, you know, and, and that's not what it's supposed to be for. But I think that, you know, if you're able to use optics, uh, I think they can only enhance your shooting. Excuse me a second. They can only enhance your shooting, but. Um, if your basic fundamentals are in place. Yeah. Yeah. And they're going to show you if you're out of line. I mean, it's, it's very clear. The, 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 the old sight pattern won't tell on you, but the other one certainly will. Um, you know, some of the other stuff that, that goes beyond uh, the expensive portion. You know, we were talking earlier about 
you know, how long is it? You know, I've got travel and lodging and meals. If I'm going to a training, um, how much did the course itself cost? Um, you know, the the big big training we we sponsored for Guardian Nation uh, a couple months ago. Um, you know, everybody showing up to that is is intended to arrive with with a thousand to fifteen hundred grounds each. That's a major investment right now. Um, for those that, that if could can find, find it, yeah, that could find ammunition. Um, we were lucky and had a, had a sponsor, uh, uh, ammunition sponsor for the, for the event. So they arrived with everything and people could make a reasonable purchase through them, um, and not have to worry about flying with all that ammo and stuff like that. So, um, but the other things that are out there that, that aren't necessarily, what you would maybe look at as being involved in uh, firearms training is is other options. You know, if all I'm carrying is a is a pistol, um, from you know, it, it's kind of like my only tool is a hammer. Every every problem I see is a nail. Um, well, they they frown on us carrying ice picks. I don't know if you know that or not. Double bladed axe under the arm. They don't like that one either. I, just, I tried. Like I tried um, to put my my eagle double bladed axe on my CCW. They wouldn't do it. But I had a nice holster fit right here. I bet you did. <laughs> uh, but well, you know the good thing about a double bladed axe is when you take it out of its sheath, there is no more fight. Everybody just leaves for whatever reason. I don't know. They'll challenge a gun. They'll challenge a knife. You ain't gonna shoot me. You pull that axe out. They go, oh, you crazy. I'm gone. I was gonna say people are afraid of crazy. Uh, that, that'll carry you a long way. Um, but, but I'm, I'm talking about, um, simple combative stuff, um, yep. force on force stuff. Yep. I don't, I don't have to be a collegiate athlete to do all of these things. If I can come up with a couple of skills to add that can buy me five or 10 seconds, that's a lifetime in a gunfight. Um, it, you know, I, I was talking earlier, um, we, we hosted Lone Star Medics uh, over the weekend out at our range uh, for a range response kind of trauma medicine course. Um, just amazing training. And it's not just uh, a firearms related thing. Like I was saying, you know, we can, we can be on our way home after work today and, yeah. and roll up on a, on a horrible car wreck and be able to render aid. Um, it's, it's things like that. Or, you know, last week we had Andrew Branca and, and Don West on with us, you know, just as far as understanding self-defense and the law of self-defense and those kind of things, you know, legal training and things like that, that are just, uh, they're, they're as, as valuable as any skill set you learn with your firearm. I guarantee it. it. It's the knowledge of those things that can keep me out of trouble. Um, <clears throat> you get so many different aspects, uh, that I, I just think make you a more competent carrier. Um, it's not just, um, uh, it's not just the, the, the working of the firearm. It's, it's all the other things that, that make me a more responsible gun owner, um, and, you know, it, heaven forbid that it, it was my family that I had to, 
you know, stop and, and give emergency medical aid to. But if it happens, I want to have that knowledge. I don't want to be hopeless and, and helpless and, and sit there and watch somebody I care about suffer. So um, what were other things that, that you've found over, over the, the years as a firearms owner that have been beneficial for you? Uh, train, training. Well, I think um, train with the gun you carry. Mm -hmm. So uh, I did an IDPA course. Actually, it was a it was a running gun course with a Sig three sixty five. Um, tiny little thing, right? Everybody else has got Glock thirty fours and whatever else, you know, Sig two twenties. This is what I'm carrying. So that's the gun I ran with. And it was good. I, I really enjoyed it. But it, you know, I got to, I probably shot that gun more on that particular day than I had up to that time. You know, you're shooting two, 300 rounds out of it. Um, another time I had a shoulder surgery on my right arm. So purposely, I went to an, uh, the same contest, pistol, pistol match, uh, with a Glock 19 on a left-handed holster. And I had to shoot unsupported left hand the entire match. Nobody shoots unsupported offhand, weekend ever, right? And so that was a great eye-opener, especially when they had some of the targets at 40, 50 yards and, you know, just getting your, your squeeze down and, and anything. Uh, anyway, that was very important because I had to do one-arm magazine changes. I had to shoot unsupported. And I think that those unique kind of one-off things will just help you out. And to give you more confidence, I pick up that SIG 365 and I know what it's going to do. If I have to shoot left-handed, I know I can shoot left-handed. Yeah. Um, I don't want to, but I would. Well, you know, we we always did disabled drills. Because the right hand has the axe in it. Yeah, of course, you can't let that go. <laughs> That's, I forgot to say, oh yeah, there's the axe and the gun. That's the way it works. The only thing keeping you safe. Or saying. Uh, yeah, we we uh, we've had we've had a lot of good stuff here today. Um, you know, I I think it's it's really important. Well, you know, uh, we got to keep some for next week. Just keep everybody coming back here. We can't course. give them the whole. Can't answer all the world's problems in one show. This is a I series. Can't. I can't. Um, just just some some food for thought going going away. Um, there are so many good training companies out there, um, so many individuals out there that are really, really good. Um, go online, do a little research. Get um, some references. Get some references, find out who's legit, find out who's a blowhard and, and avoid them. Um, if they show up at the range wearing flip-flops and carrying a bullhorn, go home. <laughs> I haven't seen that guy yet. Um, but, but you want to, you want to kind of vet your people, find out who they were from, you know, who, who they came through, what their training history is. Um, the guys that are really serious about this can, can give you their pedigree. They can, they can tell you all the stuff they've, they've done and been through yeah. without being vague or, or, or kind of, kind of hidden. You know, I, I was a special operator, a special just, operator. Just because they're wearing 5.11s and have a paracord bracelet doesn't mean they're an operator. 
and just saying and not ever will. So uh, it, it's just one of those. Take take your time, um, ask around, um, find people that you trust, find people that you respect. Um, there, there's plenty of guys that that I, I can reach out to and say, hey, have you ever heard of this guy? Is is he is he worth the effort? Well, a lot of lot, lot of law enforcement, you guys get additional civilian tra- civilian trainers. So maybe Absolutely. ask some of your friends in law enforcement who locally is training you guys that Absolutely. you would recommend. Yeah, there there's good guys all over the place out there, guys and gals. We've we've got a couple of gals here that uh, are real big in Girl with a Gun. Um, amazing organization helps, helps the ladies out there. Um, kind of, kind of low key, not a lot of pressure from, from guys or anything like that. And they've got guns that you can try and all yep. kinds of stuff. It's great organization stuff. Great organization. We have women on target and those ones. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Um, what do you, what do you got, uh, closing out here, Phil, anything you want to well, I know November 13th, we're going to be at the West End Gun Club. I'm going to shoot a, shoot a course of fire out there. But my first time this year, I've been able to get out there. So looking forward to that. I just got back, as you know, from Wyoming. Had a great elk hunting trip. Um, anybody want to go to Wyoming? Let me know. God, it's more elk there than you know what to do with. Um, you know, that's it. We're, we're fighting the good fight here in California. We are standing up for everything we can. Uh, the California Rifle and Pistol Association has been a great um great fighter for our rights. So, you know, we're here behind enemy lines from the occupied People's Republic of Occupied California. Um, still still here, still fighting for you. So thank you very much. And God bless you for the opportunity to be on the, on the air with you. You bet. We thank you guys. Join us again next week. See you. Bye.